if we went by the principle that those affected by a problem should be in charge of determining the solution, then the majority of the world's peace negotiators, foreign ministers, and diplomats would be women. Gender. It influences our identity, the role we play in our society, and the way that we interact with each other. The crucial role of women in preventing conflict and building peace has been recognized. Yet over the last 30 years, 70% of peace processes did not include any women mediators or women signatories. So peace, much like war, remains entirely dominated by men. Welcome to Season 6 of the Peace Corner podcast, brought to you by CSPPS, You Know Why Peace Builders, and GPAC. The Youth Thriven podcast, the Peace Corner aims to demystify peace building by giving peace builders across the world the opportunity to share their stories. We showcase the ordinary and extraordinary nature of peace building with the belief that everyone can be a peace builder. We just need to make space. This season explores gender dynamics in peace building. So who are the people making peace buildings more equal, inclusive and relevant? How are these pioneers making gender equality the norm? Keep listening to find out. Today's episode is presented by Laura from CSPPS, the civil society platform for peace building and state building. Welcome everyone to the Peace Corner podcast. We have a very special guest today, Nia Shankuo Tai. She's a South Sudanese woman, committed leader, peace activist and practitioner. She is fighting to protect women and girls from sexual and gender-based violence and advocates for effective policy implementation that includes women's voices at the local and national levels. She is the co-founder and executive director of the Mother Care Organization and head of gender programs at the Assistant Mission for Africa. So thank you very much, Nation Coast. Very happy to have you here. So to start with, I would like to know, how did you become involved uh, in gender and peace building? And can you share one of the best moments of your career so far? Thank you for having me. And I'm glad and honored to be here today. And thank you for the great you know, uh, introduction. How I have become involved in the gender work, I think uh, growing up in a place like South Sudan, whereby issues of women you know, and issues of girls hold the biggest space, issues of inequalities has always been, you know, an interest because when you are born as a girl or a girl child, there are certain things that you are expected not to do because you are born in a certain gender. And in South Sudan, when you start talking about issues of gender, always people focus on issues of women and girls because women and girls in South Sudan go through you know, decades of oppression because of the harmful cultural practices, you know, because of so many things. So it is part of my, you know, bringing up, growing, seeing my mom, my grandmother, even being, you know, robbed of their basic human rights, and that is education. It has always been, you know, in me to contribute into that. How I got involved in the gender work uh, after I graduated from university, I have joined the NGO work and, Years later, I have been leading the Women, Peace and Security, and that is the National Action Plan 1325 project under Assistant Mission for Africa. And that has been a turning point for me because 
I have seen a lot and I have learned in this journey. And yeah, this is how I got involved in my gender related work. Thank you. And very interesting to, to hear about these cultural practices. Uh, uh, for, for the listeners who don't know, South Sudan is a very patriarchal society, right? So uh, what you say about oppression and the, 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 what is expected or not expected from girls and women is, is very relevant. And so that, that brings me to, to the second question on, on the roles uh, women play, uh, not only in South Sudan, in the society itself, but also in the peace building processes. So what would you say are the roles that women in South Sudan play in conflicts uh, and local peace building processes? And are they facing any challenges? The women of South Sudan are known for being resilient because uh, I mean, having women going through all these accustomed harmful cultural practices, not being accepted for their gender, being treated differently for their gender, made the women of South Sudan, you know, to be one of the strongest, you know, women of all time that me, myself, I've met. So the women of South Sudan have been holding homes together, especially in conflicts. In most cases, it is the men and the boys who go and fight. Women are the one holding the families back, making sure that, you know, the houses are in order, making sure that, you know, they take care of everything. And on top of that, they're not being appreciated. When it comes to peace processes, women of South Sudan contribute, whether in peace or conflict, because I have been in one of the peace conferences and one of the women was saying that as the women, we have a very big role that we play in conflict or in peace. When it comes to peace, if issues of cattle raiding or revenge killing happens, and if your child comes and he stole a cattle from another place, you as the mother, you're the first person to know, and it is you to tell him that I don't want something is stolen in my house, return that cow, return that cattle to the owner. And this way it prevents a lot of conflict and it brings peace. Not only that, during the peace processes, the women of South Sudan were part of the delegation in Addis Ababa, in the Arsis. And during the process, most of the men and the political parties, they were focusing on power sharing. But the women are the ones who are, you know, they brought the human aspect part of it because members of different political parties can disagree during the peace talks and they go to different places. And you find the women of South Sudan and the members were the one going from one party to the other, from one leader to the other, telling them to focus on how much the South Sudan community has lost, how much lives have been lost, how much destruction has happened, how much, you know, how many rape cases that happen in the country. And they should look at the human part of it, not only power sharing and how they can bring peace. And I think this is how also women of South Sudan contributed to peace. Not only that, the women of South Sudan made sure that women quarter is demanded and they, they claim for a seat at the table. And as a result, now we have the affirmative action plan and that is the 35% quarter for the women of South Sudan to be represented in governance and in leadership. Most of the challenges that the women of South Sudan face or women in general face in South Sudan is women being disrespected. When women get into spaces, 
you find a woman, and I am one of the people who have experienced that, the community would wonder and they would ask you if you are implementing activities, if you are doing mentoring sessions, if you are doing you know, some trainings and workshops, or if you are leading some peace processes and dialogues, the first question would be like, who is your husband? Who is your father? So you have to be attached to a man in order for you to be a full human being. And this is one of the challenges that women face. Also, one of the challenges that women face is that when there are invitations to be part of the roundtable discussions, women get excluded and excuses being given as that, oh, you know, these women just had babies. These women are taking care of the house. They cannot make it to these meetings. And not only that, because of the harmful cultural practices, in most of the meetings, women are not expected to talk. It's the men to do the talking and the women to do the listening. And these are a few of the challenges that women face. One last challenge is that when women start demanding spaces, they are called names. And also, there are a lot of issues of policies, especially around issues of SGBV in South Sudan, well-written constitution that says that women are human beings and they are supposed to be respected and they're supposed to you know, live a life that is full of dignity. But all these policies and constitutions are just in paper. When it comes to implementation, there is no implementation. And that is one big challenge for the women of South Sudan. So uh, what do you think, in your opinion, uh, could be done to reverse that? Um, I have seen that you briefed the 2020 United Nations Security Council on behalf of the South Sudanese civil society in your fight to include those women in the decision-making processes. So, could you tell us more about it and what you have done in general or what do you wish to see uh, to, that allows women in conflict-affected areas such as South Sudan to be more included in peace processes? What I think that needs to be done or what I wish that to do and the things that I've done, I've done already, I can start with the things that I have done. I think raising awareness at the grassroots level, at the national level, creating spaces for women and girls to meet you know, policymakers and to meet women at the parliament, influential women who can make things happen was one of the things needed by these women. So being privileged to be part of the people who created those spaces for them makes me feel like I have done a contribution. Another thing also is that the women of South Sudan know what they want, even if at the grassroots level. Some challenges might be, you know, a language barrier or other stuff, but they know what they want and they can speak it better. So for me, I think what needs to be done for the women to be included in these spaces is that create a safe spaces for these women to be able to voice their own issues. You know, making women know that this is a right, not a privilege. And not only that, I see this young generation, my generation is doing a lot. The things that I do right now are things that my mother was never in a position to do or my, my grandmother, but things are different now and, and we are speaking up. And I think, we are setting the ground for the coming generation to do more. We are setting the ground to the coming generation to say that, you know, women of South Sudan have been through enough and enough is enough. And in fact, we are taking people to the next level because the people before us, they have managed to do something to show people that, you know what, there is a fight and equality, you know, it's a right, it's not a privilege. So I think things need to be done is, creating more spaces 
creating mentorship program and not only that, linking these women and young girls to international spaces, national spaces, and making them meet the right policymakers where they can give a real uh, recommendations on how they want things to be done and how they want to see women agenda, you know, achieved within South Sudan and also to lead and to inspire the other you know, people in the world and other women who are going through similar situations also to change the narratives. I have to say that I, re I really like your, your, your passion and your, your optimism. And, and I want to say that if we, we need this optimism to see uh, positive change happening around us, and if we want to, to, to see this shift in women's perception, this shift in the role they play in society or in peace building. So thank you for this, sharing this optimism with us. So you, you started mentioning uh, these workshops. So you are conducting trainings and workshops that are empowering women to have free, just, and dignified lives in South Sudan. So can you just explain a little bit more about these workshops and maybe share one story of the, the importance of women's empowerment? Most of the workshops that I have been implementing, I've been using the USIP, US Institute of Peace Generation Change Fellows, training materials. I'm a generation change fellow with the USIP and also I'm currently nominated for the Women Making Peace Award and I made it as you know one of the top 10 finalists and I'm so excited about that and most of the trainings and the sessions that I make are on mentorship program are on raising awareness uh, in both lake states and unity states of South Sudan. And these are cattle keeping communities that are well known with, you know, a lot of patriarchal behavior. And it hasn't really been easy to communicate with these women. So most of the communications and most of the sessions were focusing around the UN Security Council Resolution 1325, its four pillars, raising awareness on, you know, the prevention, protection, participation, and all these aspects for women to understand where the UN Security Council Resolution 1325 came from. And not only that, we realized that during the trainings that these women, they don't even have an idea about the basic human rights. And we started talking about this, you know, having rights, you know, to go to school, right to drink, right for healthcare, right, you know, to, to get education and a right to sex. And that raised a lot of eyebrows because at this age, we have women who are the age of our mothers and grandmothers, but they believe that they don't have right even to sex. And it's a taboo. It's not something that people talk about. And I remember as a young girl, when I started talking to these women about having right to sex, all the looks in the room changed. And some women went as far as closing their eyes and being shy because they thought that it's not appropriate to talk about something like that. And that tells you that this is how they have been deprived, you know, of their rights and how these women have been manipulated to think that they don't even have right to choose or to speak up. So one of the women stood up and she told me, my daughter, what you're talking about, even us, you know, the age of your mother, we can't talk about it because it's like a big shame. And like we had one of the people like, one of the translators was a man, of course. And like later on when we had different group sessions and group works, this is when these issues came out and real issues related to, you know, being deprived of their sexual rights whereby a husband is having like four women or five wives 
and you find a woman is expected to stay for a long period of time without having sex and she's not supposed to ask because that's a very big shame. And that was just one scenario out of many. And that tells you that there is a lot of need for these women to be involved in more work in order for them also to educate the coming generation. Indeed, uh, there is, and thank you for pointing that out. Um, there are many basic rights that women don't even know uh, that they have the right to. So thank you for pointing that out. That's why your work is very relevant uh, and it's really incredible and we're really learning a lot from you right now. Um, this, this season of the Peace Corner podcast is on gender dynamics. So because of this, I would like to move a little bit forward and ask you what are your views on masculine perspectives? So do you think they should be included? Have they been included uh, in peace building processes in South Sudan? One of the activities that I have been implementing is also training the gatekeepers. And these are the men and the boys who stand in the gate and you know, keep women from getting their rights, keep women from getting involved. Because we realize that however much we are trying to change perspectives around the way women are being treated within the society, we cannot change it by only involving women. You know, we felt like it's important to involve, let's say the perpetrator himself, involve people of influence, people who are making decisions and people who are in a position to make things happen, to make them understand that issues of gender are not, you know, about, you know, uh, reducing the worth of a man or it's not about a fight between a woman and a man. It's just a basic human rights and people need to have understanding and respect that. And for that, the gatekeepers that I train include the traditional leaders. And these are the traditional courts, the customary law, we call them the ABC courts. And these are the people that influence policies, especially at the grassroots level. We also involve the office of the commissioner. We involve other stakeholders like the church leaders because the community, many communities at the grassroots believe in the power of charge, in reconciliation, in peace, in conflict, in everything. So these are some of the people that we targeted and we did not forget to include the young boys, especially the youth who are in the cattle camp because they play a very big role in that. So we felt the importance of having these people around. I have involved them in these trainings and we had sessions and conversations whereby they came and as a result, we started seeing women now sitting you know, as leaders in the traditional courts because they made demands in front of these men, in front of influential traditional leaders. And as a result now, women are in leadership positions, they are in leadership places because the other gender understood how it works, how it is in the constitution and what is even the constitution saying about the customary law and the number of women who are supposed to be sitting in these spaces and in these traditional courts. Thank you. And I, I do agree that the inclusion of, of men is essential. And uh, the fact is that we, as you said, we we start to see uh, improvement and change. So I guess there's still a lot of, of work, um, but we're getting there. So uh, I really uh, I have one last question for you, which is your your perspective on the future of peace process in South Sudan. So are you feeling positive about it? What do you think remains to be changed? And, do you feel hope? I think 
the women of South Sudan and especially the civil society leaders and women leaders, they have set the bar high and they made demands for women inclusion. So in the previous peace process that was done in Addis and in other places, we have seen that number of women from the civil society have been included. And in the 2018 peace agreement also, we had more women who became the signatories you know, to the peace process and that's an improvement. However, currently I'm pushing with other members and I've been having meetings. We have currently a peace process that is called the Rome Peace Process. And it is also being, you know, headed by Santigidio in Italy and also with some other few members. But one thing that I realized that there is no woman who is representing the civil society and even at the political, other political parties, previously we had only like two women. And in the second round of talk, these women were not there. So what we're doing right now is pushing. We had initial conversations and in one of the meetings that we had, I met with the um, the deputy chairperson of the, the Rome peace process and that is Honorable Barnaba Marial Benjamin who is currently became the minister to the office of the president. And this is one of the things that I discussed with him and he promised that he is going to do his level best to make sure that women are included. Not only that, I went as far as he's speaking to St. Gideon. We had, you know, some several meetings about women inclusion in the Rome peace process in which that I hope is going to be a reality soon because that has been a big challenge. And I think, yeah, I'm optimistic knowing that whenever women are in the table, they are going to voice issues related to sexual reproductive health. They will start talking about real issues. They'll start talking about early forced girl child marriage. They'll start talking about violations happening. But above all, they will shed light on humanity because this is the nature of how women are and how women are raised in South Sudan. And that gives me a lot of hope that the future of the peace processes in South Sudan is going to the right direction because currently we have everyone included. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for emphasizing that, that women are resilient. Thank you for being optimistic. Thank you. Uh, it is really good to see that change is happening, that change can happen. And uh, thanks uh, to the incredible work that you're doing, you, your colleagues, and all the other peace builders in South Sudan and all around the globe. Um, so thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, I think, uh, as I said, we really learned a lot from you. Um, we have to keep raising awareness together. And as you mentioned, create a safe space for women to be able to, to express themselves. Um, so thanks again. Thank you very much. It was very inspiring to listen to. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. And I hope that this recording at least is going to contribute into something positive and also it's going to contribute into, you know, women movement going ahead and into some of the things. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today and for contributing to a better world. Thank you for listening to the Peace Corner podcast and supporting our initiative. Feel free to share this episode with people around you who you think might benefit from it. And don't forget to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you might be listening from.